Morning. Morning. Just checking you're still there. I know it's a sunny day. I know it's warm. I know you're thinking about the bank holiday. Do I rush off to the seaside? Do I paddle my toes in the wonderful waters of Rill? This morning, we're in the presence of God and we're going to remain there. Is that okay? Last time I ministered, I ministered on the thing that said, for this reason. Do you remember? Right, thank you. No, at least we're honest of going, no, I don't remember. We ministered from Ephesians that when it said, for this reason, and I'm not going to go into it. I could go into it, but I have no intention. But what I want to do is I want to, is it okay if we do a bit of push and pull this morning? Yeah, a bit of Dr. Doolittle with a push-me-pull-me. We'll have some push-me-pull-me this morning. Pastor Tony has been ministering for what seems to be an age on entering in. Has he not? And he's come from the left, from the right, from the front, from the back, from up, from down. There's all of these different elements. And it is not my job to diminish anything he says. I'm coming to add to another man's field. So I bring what? my gift, my grace, and I step into where Tony's been ministering, and hopefully I can add to what he has been ministering. Now look at you, already you've gone, if you use the word entering in, Phil, I'm going on. (laughs) Because you're already switching off, do you know why? Because you become familiar with the word. Do you know why there's a reason why we keep saying entering in? Because you've not. So let me bring something to you this morning. Entering in, but do you know into what? Do you know what you're entering in? And you define what you're entering into in this season. Can you say you're entering into intimacy? Are you entering into the presence? Are you entering into a greater dimension of faith? Are you entering into a new day? Are you entering into purpose? If you're not, or you don't have the understanding of what you're moving towards, how do you know if you're ever there? Well, I'm entering in. Entering what? I don't know. Well, I've entered the lottery. I've entered the prize draw. I've entered the postcode lottery as well. Anything I'm in. I kind of enter into whatever I've got going, but I don't know when I'm there. You need to define in yourself the direction that you're going into. If you don't know where you're going, how do you know? You know, there's so many that get so close and then give up before they make the destination. You just don't know. You think, ah, sack it, we're never going to get there. But yet, the very grace of God, the Spirit of God, is drawing us to a destination. And I believe there's an entering in for us corporately as a house, but there's an entering in for you and I as individuals. So corporately, we press towards what God's saying. And what's part of that pressing in? Hello? Stand up. Step in. Stand upon. Stay in until we become the move and be the demonstration producing legacy so what we entering in i'm entering into what he is declaring we hold prophetically and practically moving towards something that will build us moving forward 
Now, we had the wonderful, I say wonderful through gritted teeth, journey to Devon last week, which is never the greatest journey in the world. But coming home, we were on that wonderful M5, Angie and I, and then we forgot at a certain time in the evening, they close it. So they close the M5, we're trundling home, and it's only one junction, junction two to junction one, that Veronica's been on, that just so happens to be the one for Birmingham. And you go, right, follow, it says, now follow the diversion. I'm going into Birmingham to follow this diversion. Now I've been, I've got my pilot here, here, got Satnav Ange. She's here. I said, right, Ange, it's your job to follow the signs while I'm navigating through all of this busy traffic coming back. And Ange comes up with his fantastic solution for getting us through this diversion. Follow that truck. I'm sure it knows where it's going. <laughs> so there'd been a truck in front of us on the M5 trundling along. And you go, it must be going to our postcode because it was on the same road. So I thought, I'll go with it. I'll go with it. 45 minutes later, and this truck, and she, we've run red lights, we're speeding, we're doing everything to keep up with this truck who knows where it's going. Now, luckily, somewhere on this journey, there was a little sign that went M6 that way, right, we'll follow it. The truck turned off and wasn't even going where we were going. But then Ange felt completely justified. See? I got us, you can always trust a sat max, as she's known. You can trust us, we will always get to that place. But do you know where you're going? Or do you follow either everybody else or the circumstances of life and hope for the best? Because I've been around church long enough to know that for many of us, we're dictated to by the chicky licky syndrome. Now, does anybody know what the Chicky Licky Syndrome is? No. Now, if you remember, we did the Christmas production on it. The acorn falls on Chicky Licking's head and he makes the declaration to everybody else. The sky is falling in. So come and follow. And he convinces everybody else along the way. So Chicky Licking convinces the hen and the hen convinces the duck and the duck the goose. And they all go to this journey because the sky's falling in, because somebody misinterpreted their season and find themselves right in the, light, in the den of the fox. I was going to say the lion's den then. The den of the fox where they all get eaten up. We have to be responsible of where I'm going and where we are going. Because, okay, in calling a spade a spade, there are journeys that we all make on the same bus, and the bus has got its destination, okay? If you try and change the destination of the bus, you're called a hijacker. Because when the bus leaves the terminal, we've already used the term, and it goes, we've got a day trip to Rill. You get on going to Rill, and you decide, I don't want Rill. I want Scarborough. Driver, take me to Scarborough, you are a hijacker. 
Because he's not going to go, he's going, sorry, we're not going to Scarborough because our destination's real. So I pull out my revolver. <laughs> Are you sure we're going to real? Scarborough it is. Next turn, Scarborough. I remember, bless her, it was one of the ladies who used to come years ago to the church. Irene, do you remember Irene? Those who have been around long enough, Irene. And she said she once went on a holidays. And when she was on a holidays in North Wales, she was on a holidays and she decided she was going to take one of those mystery coach trips. So she got mystery tour. So I'm doing the mystery tour. You know what's special about a mystery tour? It's a mystery. You don't know what the destination is. So she does the mystery tour. She rubs her hands together. Let's do the tour. Where did it take her? Bellevue Zoo. <laughs> Which was 500 yards away from where she lived. If I wanted to come here, I would have just crossed the road. We're not on a mystery tour. God knows exactly where we're going. Amen. But again, I ask you the question, on this entering in, are you any closer to entering in now than what you was in the first week when the Holy Ghost drops it on your lap? I don't need a yes or a no. I'm just asking you a question. I'm asking you the question so you can ask yourself a question. Because it's great just going, oh, come on, look at all us. We're entering in. But into what and when are we entering in? And without telling tales out of school, I think it's only fair. Last year, we talked about being this demonstration, starting to move out and all this kind of stuff. We're in our authentic group. I like to think our authentic group has a bit of maturity in it. We once did a head count and had about nearly 300 years of Christianity in our group. And after some months of saying, I said, what do you understand about this whole process of be the demonstration? The response was when everybody's being honest in the group, we have a conscience of understanding that we should have a conscience. So what did it get you to do? Nothing, but at least I have a conscience that I should be doing something. So I can sit here and you can sit here every week with this whole context of entering in and thinking, yes, we're entering in and then get fooled or deluded by thinking as the house starts to move somewhere, you made a journey. You didn't. The house is making a journey. Individually, you also need to make the same journey. So let me pick up on a couple of points. Pastor Tony a few weeks ago, again, we're on one of my travels, he ministered and he said about the entering in, he said there were things that you enter in with. Anybody remember? I'll give you the list again, just in case you missed out. When I enter in, it's so that Christ can be revealed. The whole, the very purpose, the very primary purpose is not an experience, but it's be that when I enter in, Christ is revealed to me and I become more like him in his presence that can be outlived elsewhere. I'll give you three reference points. How I find him in the holy place is established in this place and outworked in the marketplace. So if I'm a different person in his presence than what I am in the marketplace, something went wrong so we encounter him so that Christ can be revealed 
we enter in with the confidence and the grace that God has given us for all that we're becoming. We enter in to find meaning or the reason why we're making the journey. We enter in to find the resources that we need for the journey planned. Remember the scripture we read before. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand there are blessings evermore. That he equips me for everything I need for life and godliness in his presence. Yes? You're going very quiet on me now. When I enter in, I find the partners who will assist me and I assist them on the journey we take. When I enter in, we find fresh instruction because he continues to speak to us. God is the God who continually starts his conversation from where he left off. So Chris could go, it was five years ago that God spoke to me. So let's just say, Chris turns around and God says to Chris five years ago, Chris, you're like a wonderful rose in my garden. When God comes back, he goes, in the garden, Chris knows exactly where he's from because the reference point is where God left from. Completely blank faces. God continues to speak from the moment he left off. He doesn't just start something new. There's the conversation as he continues in the intimacy of building with us. When I enter in, I receive fresh seed. He gives us the word that can be sown, that can be uh, worked in our lives. When I enter in, I face a fresh challenge because I'm being changed from one degree of glory to the next. You know, when Paul said this morning, probably the, the clearest thing that Paul had said that held the most weight is when Paul said, the level of passion that you have today will dictate the distance or how intimate you get with God. If I'm dismissive, somebody calls me and says, do you want to brew? Uh, do you want to meet him? Don't want to meet him? Yes, no. Depending on my heart towards him, it depends how deep that relationship will go. When I enter in, we receive fresh insight, understanding of why we're in and where we're going. All of that is the entering in. But I still come back to the point. What are you entering in for? Are you looking for a faith? Are you looking for intimacy? Are you looking to find his presence? Is it a new day? Is it a new season? Is it a purpose? Change tack with you now a little bit. Again, you can help me because I was here last week. I was wagging it, so I've been told, by Pastor Tony himself. I wagged it with my good lady. But Pastor Tony, one of the things he mentioned was about the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Am I right? This is my 10-minute conversation with Pastor Tony in the gym. So he ministered on talking about the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. How many tree, types of tree in the garden? Three types of tree in the garden. Good guess, John. Only one out. <laughs> tree of life, knowledge of good and evil, and the tree for food that was also good to look at. I could play here. This is where I could kick into teaching mode, but I don't want to. I don't know if you've noticed this morning I'm being very restrained. I'm not rushing through anything this morning because I know I have some time. I know we can get to the place where we need to get to. But three trees in the garden... 
How many crosses at Calvary? And the one in the middle brought life. There's a whole process of redemption of the story from Genesis through that if you track it, will give you so much hope, give you so much life and so much direction. Let me just continue to unfold this a little bit for you. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the tree in the garden, some of us who are Apple Mac users would say that's why even Adam in the garden chose an apple. For you rubbish PC users. And then Tony goes, yeah, but the windows of heaven opened. I say, yeah, windows are like brass, fella. That's all that you are. But they chose the fruit in the garden. It set in place a chain reaction of events. Have you ever thought about that? There's a chain reaction which set in place. The first one is that it broke intimacy. It brought separation. It caused isolation. And it created a debt that needed to be paid. And so triggered the road to redemption. Now again, we've used this before. Bear with me. I just love it because I think, God, you know, when he talks about the end from the beginning, that before the foundation of the world... Christ was slain. So even before he puts Adam and Eve in the garden to trust them with creation, he goes, I know that John's going to screw up. Don't trust John with anything. But when he does, do you know what? I took out a special insurance policy that says when John screws up, I've got it covered. Don't worry about it. But I kind of think the insurance policy is going to be called upon. We're going to make sure, as Kaf said there, the premiums are well and truly paid because there's something needs to be set in place. So there's two trees in the garden. Not three trees. I'm saying three. John says two. I'm just helping him. <laughs> tree of life, knowledge of good and evil, and the tree for eating and fruit that's good to look at. But that tree of knowledge of good and evil sets something in place. Let me tell you, it's 1 John Chapter 2 and verse 16 says this, For everything in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. That is the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And I can tell you, in my own experience, and in my own life's cycle as it's gone through, any place I fall over will be found in one of these three areas. Anybody else? Anybody else going to be honest? Or are you all the good holy bunch this morning who never mess up, who always get everything right, who are, if Jesus turns up in the next minutes, you're the first on the conveyor belt to heaven. (laughs) Just seeing what kind of bunch I've got in here today. But you have the lust of the flesh, that which I want. So this, do you know how much this dictates to everything? dictates when I sleep. It dictates what I want to eat. It dictates what needs it has. And it drives me. Does it not drive you? Paul turns around and says, doesn't he? He says, I will not be held a slave to anything. So when he turns around and said he puts off food or he does things, it doesn't mean that he has to fast all the time. There's a time when something rises up. You know and I know that there's certain times in your life where you have to say no to you even when everything inside of you is saying yes. Right. Andy said he wished you knew that at Southport Flower Show, surely. But then there's the, and there's the amen spoken there. 
So there's the lust of the flesh. There is the lust of eyes. That which you see that I now want. So whether it's keeping up with the Joneses or I have to be this way or you see what somebody else has got. And this whole thing of desiring what others have are driven by what you see. Okay, right. See, only Shirley wants to be honest this morning about how bad she is. She didn't have to be honest because we all know. But it's that journey that's being made. And then the pride of life. The pride that we carry, especially as men, we'll carry a pride of, I'm not going to be helped. Like the following the truck. I'm not asking for directions. Ange was a lady, so it didn't matter. I'm not following directions. I'm not asking for help. I'm not showing a form of weakness. I won't say to somebody, I'm not good at this area just in case they want to kick me or put me down or think that I'm not as good as them. The only person who gets hurt is you. There is that pride that gets dealt with. I'm telling you, all those three things cover every aspect of your life when you start to break it down. It falls in those areas. But the biggest thing that it did when they took from that tree, it took away their freedom. They became slaves to sin at that moment in time. It also gave them a wage. Talking to young Jake this morning, he said, I've been working this week. Look, Phil, I'm going to get my first wage packet, which is great. We had a conversation about how much he owes me. But we, we had this conversation, but when Adam and Eve sinned, they instantly received a wage. Do you know what that wage was? Death. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Now, that sin that they in, stepped into had a power over them. There was the power of sin that held them. There is the presence of sin in them, that sin nature. And there is the penalty of sin against them because there is a debt that has to be paid. This produces in itself, and this is where we can start to expand slightly, it produces in the next generation Take care of number one. When you look after number one mentality, man starts to follow the way of Cain. So much can be drawn back to these things where he becomes self-sufficient, self-governing, self-reliant, self-absorbed, self-opinionated, self-preservation, and also generally selfish. Do you know, have you ever noticed, we've got now... Caleb, okay? Caleb is done too. I'm just warning all of you in advance. Caleb is done too. He's got more of his nature of his nana, so he has a, he'll smile when he hits you, but he's still going to hit you, okay? But this whole thing is, when children are small, you have to teach them to share. Because the natural nature is, it's mine and not yours. That's part and parcel of the nature of Cain, which is established in you. And we go, we're not selfish. You are selfish. It's just somewhere in your life, someone told you you shouldn't be. And they walk you through it, unless you raised a brat. If you raised a brat, 
And they're not selfish. Or they are selfish, should I say. They don't care for anybody else. They don't move towards anybody else. I'm not blaming the brat. I'm blaming the prat who raised the brat. <laughs> because there has to be that place of its training and a molding and showing how you should be a good human towards somebody else and you should have compassion and there should be a nature but remember what we said the presence of sin is in you it's not just around you it's in you as being your core state now remember side note that when you get born again and you become a new creation sin nature is removed from your life Am I still being Bible? Sin nature is removed from your life. Your problem is the sin habit you still have. So it's, you know when scripture turns around and says, horrible scripture, but it's powerful, isn't it? Like a dog returns to its vomit. There's something inside me that goes, I shouldn't have that jam donut, but why not? It's only one. Well, it's only two. It's only half a packet. It's only a full one, yeah. We work with it in different ways. We have to deal with that sin habit and the nature which is inside of us. God ignored all the promises of God where God says, I'll keep you even though you've fallen, though you've fallen. And he goes, I'll take care of myself. So God says he'll be his protection, but what's the first thing he does? He builds a city, a walled city around himself. He moves towards self-governance, self-reliance, whatever. Man is driven to self-justification. See, it's amazing how many times we make a mistake, we screw up, we do something, but all of that comes with a caveat. Yeah, I did this to you, Chris, but uh, let me just tell you why I did it. Why can't I just hold my hands up and say, do you know what, somebody was a prat. I was a prat, I've got no, that's it, There's, there's no judging jury on this one, I'm a prat. Yeah, I know you're a prat, you know you're a prat fine let's let's just deal with it and move on but we move to self-justification and you say well show me phil if we're going to be scriptural show me and adam said to the lord it's that sat now you gave me in the corner the first thing he did was blame the woman you gave me not that he had made a choice does scripture says and eve got him in a headlock dragged him and forced this fruit into his mouth she gave it and he ate so his own choice his own opinion his own path of life caused him to step in but in the shelf justification shelf in the shelf justification i have just turned into sean connery (laughs) the shelf justification the self-justification caused him to then blame somebody else Welcome to your life and my life. Oh, we're still quiet again, aren't we? That is us. We don't get it. In my life, I kind of look that as I'm growing more in Christ, and I'm sure more in Christ, I like to think more days I get it more right than I get it wrong. Is there anybody else hoping they get it more right than they get wrong? But there are days when the wheels fall off. But I thank God that I have the ability to go back in confidence that when I come to him 
and confess my sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse me from how much unrighteousness? So whatever I do, he's able to forgive me and say yes and put me back where I was. Oh, you can't come back that way. You've really screwed up. Yeah, I know I screwed up. I don't need you to tell me how much I screwed up. But I have a God who paid the price. Jesus' blood has made a way into the Holy of Holies that turns around and says, when I confess the blood and bring it back and plead the blood, I still have access. Welcome to entering in. See, this whole thing of why we feel the wheels fall off. Quite simple. Isaiah 55 and verse 8 declares, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. If you want to see a debate about I'm smarter than you, just look, television channel, turn it over. There it is, mastermind. Job, chosen subject, why I know more than God. Question one, were you there when I set the foundations of the earth? No, no point. Were you there when I say to the sea this far and no further? Um, No. Well, I'll tell you what, Job, your chosen subject is a bit rubbish. Where Job has to turn around and go, do you know what? Hands up. You are God and I am not. The biggest journey you will ever make is that God's right, you're wrong, get over it and move on. Because my journey in life is learning to agree with him, not him agreeing with me. Well, God, we're going to have a moment. We was only talking about this the other day, same with somebody. We said, when you have, we got it from Veronica. We got it from Veronica. Here's a skill from Veronica. Here's the thing, when you have other people in your house, what you need is a family meeting. So you have a family meeting, you give everybody the opportunity to speak, and then as dad of the house, you get to tell them why they're wrong. So it's the way it works. I'm sure that was the way, the way Veronica sold it to us anyway. But the issue is, it's me coming in line with him and his word, not him going, well, do you know what? You, it's not a bad, you don't put up a bad argument, Chris. Let's bend this ruler around to your opinion because the majority majority of us are held by our opinions of God and his word rather than what he says and when I come in line with what he says it's amazing how straight that path gets there is a path and there's a way to us which is set which is straight and the steps of a righteous man are ordained by the lord this is the way walk in it it's not a special sat nav that allows you to press the button that says would you like to choose an alternate route how many of us in life would press the spiritual button change or choose an alternate route Right, there's only us two. We'll go, would you like to bypass toll roads? This is going to cost you something. Flipping dead right. I'll press that one. Do you want the fastest route? Yes, I do. Would you like landmarks along the way? Oh, I don't know, maybe. Part of what Pastor Tony's talking about, having a testimony. Do I want a landmark? Do I want a landmark? Or do I just want the fastest highway that'll get me anywhere? 
And he goes, yeah, but you're on the highway. Oh, did you see that wonderful church that was built in 1110 Plonk? And it was there, and there's an angel sat outside. Oh, no, I didn't see that. Why? Because I was in the fast lane missing every experience in life. I, I'll be honest, and he did it at the back, go, I don't want to press the button that says alternate route. Well, I do. But that journey is what forms me. It what makes me me. It's what makes you you. So when singing this morning, high on the mountain, down in the valley, you learn more in the dark places than you ever do in the high place. In the high place, it's wonderful. I come out and I'm skipping and I saw a unicorn and a rainbow and it was all wonderful. But in that dark place is where I find his faithfulness and I find he's true and I find that he never leaves me and I find that he's for me and not against me and I might be kicking and screaming. Again, I'll let you do your own homework. Find the scripture that turns around and says, Lord, you laid burdens on our back. You put us in prison, but you gave to us the treasures of darkness. There are treasures you find in the dark you never find in the light. Now again, we're making issue of it. Sure, bless you, I'm only saying this because of your testimony you shared. But there were things that you found about the faithfulness of God when you went through your cancer and the way that God answered you and moved through that you don't just get here on Sunday when I'm going, I on the mountain, I'm up there, day. Great, that's wonderful, we're having a moment. But when the wheels fall off and the reality of it has to be me, God and his word is where you come through, the faithfulness of God. Because I can tell you God's faithful, but you have to find that God's faithful. Your experience, again, will pull things through, will make you what you are. Which brings me to a great little note I was thinking about. Saw a video a while ago. Has anybody seen the video of T.D. Jakes about stealing the anointing? It's only a couple of minutes long. Find it on YouTube. Is it better than am I? But I'll give it you my TD Jakes a minute. So if anybody's got a towel, I'll throw it over now. And he, he turns around and he makes his statement. He's walking. And he said, somebody turned around and said to me that, oh, TD, I'm going to steal your anointing. And he said, I had a handkerchief and I dropped it. And somebody picked it up and said, I've got the man's anointing. And he goes, no, you've got a handkerchief full of sweat. But if you want to call it anointing, you call it anointing. <laughs> And all this thing through the 80s and 90s was, I can steal the man's anointing. I can bump into Chris and steal his anointing. That's my TD. It's my best TD there going on. He says, but you want my anointing. Do you want the years of pain? Do you want the being adopted? Do you want the hurt? Do you want being hounded? Do you want being rejected? Do you want the years of being on your knees? Do you want the years of not being fed? Do you want being trying to be aborted by your mother? Do you want, do you want the journey I took to find the God I found? And he turns around and makes this statement. How unjust is it? That God works and shapes the heart of a, and the life of a man or woman for you to bump into me and think that you can make the same journey I made. We remove the Christ, we remove the process, and we remove the God element. What are you entering for? Oh, Pastor Tony said this morning, 
He said, oh, he was just in his quiet time and he looked up and he'd been in the word for seven hours and he prayed and he saw four angels and stuff. Oh, Pastor Tony, I want that. Yo, why don't you have the three months of getting nothing? The three months of keep coming back and saying, oh my God, where are we today? God, I just, do you know, again, we're, we're being honest, aren't we? Are we family? Are we family? Yeah. To get those moments when you pray and you walk up and down and go, God, you're great. Lord, I love you. God. Yeah, you're great. I still love you, Lord. I love you more now than I did when I just said a minute ago that I love you. Uh, you're wonderful, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your words to me, Lord. And I still love you, Lord. Oh, because none of you pray like that, do you? None of you have those moments. Again, I'll be honest. I'll be honest with you because you won't be honest with me. I'll be honest with you. Who's got cable TV, Sky Telly or something like that? Anybody got any kind of TV more than your five channels? Is there anybody? Can I see your hand? I see more hands for that this morning than anything else. Right, so we've got the TV. Have you ever sat there with a remote control and you go, no? No? Seen it? No? No? And you get to the end and go, why does it tell me I've got 378 channels? And there's nothing on. Right? So now we'll be biblical. Lord, I love you, Lord. Lord, love you. Love you. 66 books here, Lord. I'm sure there's one of them got something to say. <laughs> Psalms. No, nothing in Psalms. Nothing. Jeremiah. Oh, I don't mind Jeremiah. Yeah. No, nothing. Read Jeremiah last week. Yeah. What's that one? I've not read that one before. Yeah, uh, Chronicles, and Billy begat Mary, who begat Fred, who begat, of oh, do me head in with the begats. <laughs> oh, what's that other one? What's that one in here? Let's have a look. Well, there must be something in here. Oh, where is it? Where is it? Something around. Song of Solomon's, no. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes ain't bad. Uh, I'm gone. Time to be, oh, I'm not dying. Uh, <laughs> I'll put the kettle on. And welcome to the end of your quiet time. Because again, I'll be honest with you if you're not going to be honest with me. And we wonder why we still ask the question, have you entered in yet? Because there are two natures that fight within us. The nature that goes, I know better than God. A nature that turns around and says, I want to make a journey, but I don't know how. So let's get the I don't know how to see if we can find the slipstream of acceleration to find this place of entering in. Again, Pastor Tony touched on last week. He said about Adam being a living being. Again, I wasn't here. Is he right? Did he say that? Or did he just make it up in the gym? Did he talk about Adam being a living being? Yes. Okay, scripture from 1 Corinthians 15.45 says this. The first Adam being a living being and the last Adam being a life-giving spirit. Jesus Christ isn't just a living being. He brings us into a new dimension. The dimension he's trying to get us into is the spirit realm. I'll talk to this side that seems to go, yes, amen to the spirit realm. Because there is a... A word where we don't like it, we think, when I don't understand it, it's a bit alien, I'll leave it over here. But it's the word that he wants to bring into. Because we're not just living beings. Do I have to get up every morning and feed this? 
water it. Yeah. This doesn't look this good on its own. Thank you. I didn't even get one from Ange. Yeah, Angie's just laughing. Angie's just laughing. But I'm right. Angie's just fin. I'll just laugh again on this side of the church. <laughs> Phil. Yeah. You know I love you, don't you? What? How much? We know that one. Happy anniversary, by the way, darling. Happy anniversary, Edie. Love you too. I'm just posting something, Phil. Yeah. Uh, how long have we been married? No, it's just... <laughs> We say no more. We'll leave it out there. It's going to be one of these six years. If I choose one, it'll be there or thereabouts. So there are two dimensions that we have. The dimension that will cause us to enter in is the dimension of his word and the dimension of his spirit. These are the two vehicles that we can ride on that will push us through. In Proverbs 3 and verse 5, in the Amplified Version, says this. Trust in the Lord and rely confidently on him with all your heart. And do not rely on your own insight and understanding. There's battle number one right there. Do not rely on your own insight or understanding. Trust in the Lord, the spirit dimension. Yes? Some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Yes. The flip side, your own understanding, is your flesh. It's your old man that's still trying to be brought into alignment. Go, because we're back to Job and we're here on mastermind. Lean not on your own understanding. There is so many times in my life where I'll be honest again, honest, because you know Phil's only going to be honest. In all of this, God is my last port call to ask the question of. Oh, you're looking there now, aren't you? Going, well, I won't. Yeah, well, I'm not like you, Phil. You are. You're more like me than you think. But you're in this place where you go, I've gone to my opinion. I've gone to my history book. I've gone to life and how it dictates and how it treats me. I've asked me friends... I've posted it on Facebook, Facebook, uh, Facebook, <laughs> not Facebook, I've posted it on Facebook. So it's on Facebook, I've bounced around, I've asked the warriors to help me, and then at the end of it, then at the end of it I go, God, where do I go from here, God? They go, oh, I'm glad you asked, but you might have saved yourself an awful lot of pain and discomfort by having the first part. Oh, but meanwhile, back to the fruit of the tree of knowledge and of good and evil and the pride of life. I'm growing up, God. I'll work this one out. <laughs> Do you know one of the great things of allowing your kids to grow is that they make mistakes? Do they not? And somebody once told me, and he sat over there, and it's him going to punch him in the face in a bit. He turned around, you've got to give them the room to make mistakes. But you didn't tell me that my bank account had to be four times bigger to cover for those mistakes. <laughs> By all means, graze your knee. Graze your knee there. Fall out of a tree. Learn to be brave. Make different choices. How much? 
There is the process of growing and shaping how that he wants us to choose his way. So let me get to a place of which we can finish on this, because I've got next week I can play with it a little bit more. So we can really have this week as a foundation level. Let me bounce this to you, because maybe you've thought about it and you haven't. Maybe you haven't. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. And if I start quoting it, I'm sure you could finish off. But here we go. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain came and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Where did it have its foundation? Okay. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Something out to you. Both houses were built by builders. Both houses were where people invested. So they invested in the project. Both houses were built with a hope of a future in mind. They're not short term. But here's the great delusion of so many of us sat in church. What is the difference between rock and sand? Irene, I should be asking the highways department, head of agriculture and everything else. What they get aggregate? Is it aggregate? Hey, the aggregate. What's the difference between rock and sand? The great delusion is this. Sand used to be rock. And all that exposed it was the situations of life. Well, I'm just like you because I'm building on rock. Your substance used to be rock but now when the water comes i once saw this as great illustration i'm sure you can find it on youtube there's somebody doing a builders i think it was on grand designs back in one of those channels where nothing else is on you find grand designs and they put a brick in a bucket of sand and then what they did was they started to fill the bucket with water from the bottom and the brick fell and started to sink and move because the substrate it was on had no ability to fight against the water for you and i we sit in we say god we're entering in we desire your purposes we're part of the dream center we're a prophetic house we're moving towards something and pastor tony told me that if i just build my life this way so do you remember what we said when again we said we're being honest about our group when we said, okay, do you remember this whole thing about being the demonstration? Have you been a demonstration yet? Well, we think it's a good idea that we should be a demonstration. And I've got a conscience to think one day, somewhere, somehow, in the great beyond, somewhere beyond the rainbow, I will be the demonstration. Welcome to your life upon the sand. You've come into agreement with the word. You believe the word, but when there is no demonstration, your life is actually established on everything that moves and shakes. So I've taken 14 weeks of notes of entering in. Are you any closer to entering in? Well, um, uh, 
I'll take your ermine, your silence as no. You know, people go, well, you've had a technical dream. I've not even had a black and white nightmare here. What changed? Nothing, but I'm hoping it will change. So the words of take hold of it, sow it in your life, move towards him, come aside. If there is a coming aside, if there is no coming aside, there is no kingdom come. So Jesus left the crowd and went to be with the Father. In that place, he's impacted, transformed, he's empowered, and he removes back to be the answer in the marketplace. But I go, look, I've read it. I've read a management book. Got me, I've got Blue Ocean Strategies. I've got it all going here. And I can tell you all about what we should do. Marketing won't change you. It won't change the church. But so many established that way and the houses themselves are built on the sand, when really we need to be the people who will embrace him, lay hold of him, move through. So that is a great delusion that we start to get through. So here's the bit when we talk about the circumstances of life. Do you remember when I said at the beginning about we follow the way of Cain even though we know it? We said about being self-sufficient and self-deluded and selfish in our nature. You want to see selfish in your nature... Thank you for asking, Veronica. You want to see selfish in your nature. In Mark chapter 4, we've not got the time to turn there. In Mark chapter 4, they get the thing where Jesus says, let's go over to the other side. And Jesus and the disciples got into the boat to cross to the other side, where we know the story, the storm breaks out, all hell breaks loose. And the disciples say to Jesus, don't you care for us? that we are going to perish. He says, shut your face, I'm in the boat, speaks to the storm. That's the Mancunian amplified version. Read the first verse of the story. The first verse of the story goes like this. And they got into the boat. And there was other boats also. Stuff them lot, them lot can go, we're the special ones. You and me, Jesus, you keep us safe. We don't care about them in the storm. Just deal with me. Welcome to the nature of Cain. So we talk again about entering in. Do I want to enter in, or is my heart desire that we enter in? starts with God you've got to do something in me again we use the scripture this morning blesses the man who sets his heart on pilgrimage for he's the highway to Zion but when my prayer starts to be not just in my quiet time oh God let me see you in your throne room I want to see an angel called Billy and I want to dance around oh can I see a fairy on a pinhead but I come to the place and say, my God, you have made the declaration, you made a prophetic declaration into the Dream Center that me and every life can have a breakthrough, can be found in your presence, that I can be and they can be all that you have desired for us, that we'll see maturity, that there'll be a 30, 60, 100-fold company that starts to be birthed. Hello, you've just moved your prayer life. Maybe sometimes we'll get more results when I'm more concerned about if Chris enters than if I enter. Mr. Tippett, back in the day, back in, there's only a few of us who know who Mr. Tippett was. An old guy, he wasn't here, he was back in our Burnage days. He was 80 years of age when I first knew him, I first got saved. So he must have been around when Adam was still at school. 
and he used to turn around and say, young man, young man. He always talks like that. It sounded like Brian Clough. Young man, young man. You take care of God's business and he'll take care of yours. And what I'm more concerned of, God, I'm praying that Lisa makes a journey, that Dave makes the journey. Lord, that Daniel, you lay hold of him. Lord God, give him that direction in his life, that desire to touch the nations. Lord God, move towards, start to prophesy into that situation. I pray you'll put a missionary desire in his heart that when he touches a nation, him and that nation will be birthed. There'll be something broken out. Have you entered in yet? What you're entering into. It all changes. Final scripture, then we're done. Psalm 119 says this, The entrance of your word brings light and understanding to the simple. But I don't want to like the simple bit. Rather though, even though I am, Lord, you bring that understanding to me in a way where you're being revealed. Remember what we said right at the beginning. What is this entrance? The first bit is that Christ could be revealed. The entrance of your word brings light. The physical entrance of the word, Jesus Christ, the spiritual dimension of the word, the written word, which is revealed to me and brought by the Holy Spirit. Each of these aspects will bring me understanding that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the new creation realities that are outbirthed. Now I could, I'll do it like Pastor Tony. Shall I do a Pastor Tony for you? Oh, the wheels are coming down. Another, that's another 48 minutes. Wheels are coming down. No, the wheels are down. Oh, I've got more notes I never know what to do with. Right, they're there for next week. But hopefully what I've tried to do without diminishing anything is give us just that kind of, just baseline it for a second. Don't just make a declaration that we're going somewhere. Know where you're going. Know why you're going and what you want to and you expect out the other side. And start to see that God's heart is for me and not against me. And when I lay hold of his word and his word is revealed, the entrance of his word brings light. And that light, God, is going to take me out of the darkness and show me where I should be. For your word is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my short and long-term perspective. Do you know what many of us lack? We lack, we lack the fact of God, where do I start? For my word is a lamp unto your feet. Take that first step. Because unless you're bog-eyed... Mancuni term, bog-eyed. Any of us know what bog-eyed is? Eyes facing the right. You can't look at your feet and up there at the same time. Because we want to go, God, show me where I'm going, but I'm falling over every day because I can't get my steps in place. If I take care of this, he takes care of that. And we move towards it. But please let this be my challenge and my prayer to you this week. Ask yourself the question, have I entered in? If not, why not? And what am I entering for? Third question. Maybe this is the point when you say, God, what are you looking to install to me when I do step in? Because I might go, oh God, I need more faith. And you go, Catherine, Catherine, faith is not your issue. 
that's not you. Let's deal with this first. Oh God, but I want more. Shut up. This is, the elephant in the room is this. I need to be able to go to God and say, God, where am I moving to when you draw me into your presence and Christ is revealed? Let's deal with that stinking nature, Ange. You've dealt with some of it. You've dealt with some of it. It's fine. Let's deal with this unforgiveness. Let's deal with an attitude. Let's deal with... And in that, it gives me a platform to face the faith, to face the application. But if you and I want to be true, wise builders, we must find ourselves on the rock, not what used to be. A man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's a daily occurrence of being established on the rock and found in him. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Let's stand on our feet just for a moment. Well, bless God. So we've got our homework. We're going to ask ourselves the question, aren't we? I'm not going to ask you for the answer. It's for you to find in his presence. But let me please encourage you, start to lay others on your heart and say, my God. So just ask God to lay other members of the Dream Center on your heart that you can hold in prayer rather than waiting to get a ding-gong message saying, oh, can you pray for me? No, I prayed for you because God laid you in my heart. If God lays someone in your heart, then respond and be faithful with praying for them and hold them, believing that God is putting you on other people's hearts. And let's see how corporately together we can send the hill of the Lord. Amen. Lord, we just bless you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, Father, for your presence with us today. That, Lord God, we've talked about climbing that mountain. But, Lord, I pray that for each life that's represented here and those who are not here this morning, my God, I pray, let there be an entering in. Let there be a clarity. Let there be an intimacy of heart. Let there be an intimacy of spirit. But, Lord God, I pray that you will arrest us by your word, that the very word will drive us to the place called completion in you, Lord God. Father, as you build it out, for your word will never return void or empty, but will always accomplish that which you set it out to be so your word that you've desired over every life that you've spoken into every life we pray that you'll bring it to its destination point in jesus name and the people of god said amen amen Amen.